0: I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore!
1: What we've got here is failure to communicate.
0: I'm the dude, so that's what you call me. Let's go get sushi in Mount pay. Yippee ki yay, And we're back with episode six of the Furious Cinema Podcast. I'm Pete Roberts, and I'm here with my co-host Sebastian Hazelbeck. Hey, Seb, how you doing?
1: Hey, Pete.
0: And Good uh, to be it's back. <laughs> it, it's been a while. It's been about a year <laughs> or so. <laughs> I don't know how long, but. Uh, so, you know, it's good to – you know, we we, we wanted to do another show and uh come back with a different um different um like, you know, a set of uh films that we wanted to talk about. But this one is more about uh the 1970s since we like we just got done reading the new Quentin Tarantino book, Cinema Speculation, and that was we kind of th- wanted to use it as a jumping off point for our, for this episode. So, we uh, you know, we read the book, and we loved we both loved it. Uh you know we we had just we did an episode on uh, once upon a time in hollywood the novel and uh, we we really enjoyed that one but this one is different this is like a cinema analysis book type thing like you know it's really telling about how quentin gr- when he grew up and how the movies he he was first seeing like at a young age and you know in kind of in his childhood t- kind of tied in with the new hollywood era so like you know all throughout the 70s he saw all those movies that were kind of groundbreaking in their own way like you know the the godfather and taxi driver and you know all those types of movies so it was really like a and i love all those movies anyway so it was just really cool to see hear his like um, his perspective on all those different things right that's yeah, like and book. as I
1: as I wrote in my review for Tarantino.info, is uh, for those who haven't read Cinema Speculation, but uh, for yep. those who've read the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood the novelization, there's there's a few um, like sub chapters in uh, uh, Once Upon a Time mm. in, in in Hollywood novel where he is already like testing kind of <laughs> the idea of his uh, uh, prose for a, uh, a movie criticism book. So these these little episodes where he talks about uh, um, Kurosawa movies or whatever, these are mm-hmm. pr- stylistically absolutely housed cinema speculation is like in a way and, and i like that and and i also like that cinema speculation is not just a series of reviews it's it's definitely not just a bunch of reviews pasted together it's a it's a story that he's telling and it's a story that starts with him being uh you know being a kid and it ends yep. with him accepting the academy award for pulp fiction and it takes us you know down the into like a little exploration of uh, of what is what the 70s did for cinema and he does that in in I think in two ways one is like a very personal note because he you know right. he tells us how he saw these movies and when and mm-hmm. with his mom or with you know his uncle so and so uh, and or whether they you know when he's what whether he snuck in or whatever and on the other hand is and I think some people don't might not realize but a lot of this stuff is really well-researched and he's it it it, he draws from interviews with people and reviews that that he's reading from his archives and stuff like that so i think it's a it's a it's a quite well-rounded book that is both personal as well as uh, deeply researched but it's not academic or anything and it makes it extremely accessible (laughs) because he writes really well but also not you know it's um
0: yeah, it's almost like you're reading like you know it's not so like so um high fluent that you're like you know you can't it's it's like your friend's reading writing a book and you're kind of reading about your friend's adventures and you know how he went to the movies and his discoveries and his views on things sort of like how when you when you watch him in interviews he'll like he's just good at like enthusiastically explaining like his his ideas on different movies and stuff why they were popular or you know why he didn't like them but he, he this is the this that type of idea but it's all all the new Hollywood films so they're all movies that he loves and he'll give his own like you know idea his own perspective on you know in background on the movies and like he talks to like say if he didn't know a lot about a certain movie and he was really really like curious about it. He, he talked to certain people that were there. Like he'll, he'll talk to like William Friedkin or he'll talk to like, um, Walter Hill and he'll, he'll get like, you know, the, the actual r- real, real story of what happened, you know, on what he wanted to find out about. So it was like, um, and another thing I liked about the book was he has some little tributes to people in there too, mixed in with all of his, his, um, critical pieces. So like he has a, um, he has a whole um, chapter on Kevin Thomas, this critic that he was a real big fan of when he was growing up. And he kind of mm-hmm. does a nice, like, you know, I think when he, I, I think he said when he went, he, he got an award for Pulp Fiction and he, like, he finally met Kevin Thomas. That was like a big, you know, kind of a big event in his life. Cause he he was a, a big fan of like certain critics. So, like he loved like Polly and kale and stuff. And, and that's definitely, she was one of his big um, influences as far as writing goes. And, you know, just seeing things from a different, in a different way, like, you know, and, And I think another way that she influenced this book is – that he was talking about was um, as as she was writing all her books, someone would say, oh, why don't you write like an autobiography of like your life and stuff? And she says, well, I actually did. And it's in my – it's basically – sprinkled throughout my my reviews you can you can kind of find out about me as a person in my life if you read all my movie reviews so that's sort Mm -hmm. of like what he did with this book which i thought was really interesting too and then he has other things he does like he'll delve into the you know the one one thing i didn't really know about was um the new hollywood era and he actually broke that up into two groups the post-60s anti-establishment group and the movie brats so Mm -hmm. the 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 anti-60s the anti-establishment group would be like Dennis Hopper and like Henry Jaglum and those guys, but then the movie brats would be like De Palma, Scorsese, um, and uh, William Friedkin and all those guys and George Lucas. So it's like yeah. there was there was a difference between their films if you watch them. Like I think I think those the movie brats were more like kind of pop pop film, like you know like kind of. Like you know, genre films and stuff, and the
1: yeah, but the, also they were you know, the movie ghost. nerds. So like they yeah, were, that's
0: what I mean. They were movie nerds. nerds. So they, right. they they you know, like Steven Spielberg would make like Duel or Jaws, and it would be like a kind of a like a you know a a, a mainstream like kind of B movie or something. And then Scorsese, I, I suppose Scorsese had he was sort of more, coming more from like the art house side with his movies, a little bit more influenced by that. But like he wasn't doing like Star Wars and like you know genre films a little bit. But I mean, you, you know, he he had some, his own his own influences too, but. Anyway, so that was just another thing, and then, you know, I really liked the stuff about um another little chapter that I didn't really expect to read about was um Floyd, the the guy that lived with him. You know, that right. was really kind of a cool thing. It was just you know, it, so he he kind of went to the movies with this guy and like the. Who was living in his house at a certain point, and um, you know, they they became friends and they'd go see movies. and I loved the story about like how they went to see "Eaten Alive" and they were just like laughing through the whole movie. And you know, he had a lot of <laughs> lot of movies that he went to, and like he was just like laughing and having a good time with the movie. I don't know, I just love those little stories. That was just right. what I enjoyed about it.
1: Yeah, and the, and and that's actually a really touching thing because yeah. at, at, at yeah. first uh, I I I got a little puzzled because he's not you know he's not. Uh, <laughs> Sugar coating the story of, no. of him and Floyd, but right. in the end, uh, w- once you get done with the chapter, you realize you know it, what this was probably not uh, uh, exactly a father figure, but it was kind no. of a, a father figure when it comes to his movie education. And then he's actually he, he ends the book with uh, he should have thanked him when he, I, yeah, I was gonna
0: say that, I was gonna just uh, bring that up. That was he, a really yeah.
1: touching, touching, yeah, part it was, of it was, book. yeah.
0: But and, it's it's um, yeah. And yeah. but another thing we we have to say is like it's it's pretty amazing. All like the adult movies that he saw as like a young kid. Because I mean, <laughs> yeah. half of these movies he saw when he was like six years old. I mean, his mother and his his stepfather were bringing him to like you know, te- you know Dirty Harry and like all these like you know Deliverance, like all this stuff is it's yeah, it's, it's like is. so you know it's stuff <laughs> that even when you're adult you're like kind of shocked by. So it's like I thought that was just really interesting, but. It, in a way, that kind of was the way I grew up in a way, too, because I didn't go to go to these movies, but I would I would like be able to rent all these movies. So I'd see like Scarface at age nine or something like, you know, what I mean, like so it's I, I kind of understand that I, my parents weren't like my mother, especially wasn't real. Like she let me watch like almost all types of stuff, like, you know, slasher movies we'd watch together, like all types of horror stuff. And and,
1: look how you turned out. And
0: I I turned out great. So, (laughs) but I mean, that's, I think that's where, like, you know, when you're at a young age like that, that's, I think that's where your movie, like love comes from. Like you, 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 you experience so much crazy stuff and then it just, and it stays with you and you just want to, you know, keep exploring the different movies and stuff. But anyways, that's just another And, uh,
1: stuff. Uh, one last thing I think about the book that's great is that when you look at the table of contents, it might look like, Oh, this book is just, I don't even, I don't even movies. think there,
0: is there a table of contents in the book? I thought there wasn't a table of contents. Okay. I, well, I think you know, I missed it. Uh,
1: you know, if you look at, let's say, if you look at, or you're saying uh, the list
0: of movies or something, or like yeah. a list
1: of the chapters, whatever. Yeah. Right. It's it's not, it's not just that because each chapter might, you know, a chapter might be titled Dirty Harry, but right. it's not like the entire chapter is about Dirty Harry. I mean, for, for all the chapters, he starts out with a lot of context about the, you know the genesis of the film, of course, but also yeah. about the people involved. And sometimes it, it takes him a couple pages until he returns to the actual movie. That's the title of the chapter, and I like that because it, these are not just reviews; these are these are his segues into telling us stories about that time and that time in movie making. And I think that's that's what makes the what makes the book really of great value to both. The let's say the novice as well as the uh, more seasoned uh, cineast,
0: <laughs> right? And I, I also, I really liked you know, sort of like what you're saying is I liked how like you'd read a, you'd read the chapter about Bullet, but like he'd like he he might be talking about a, an, another film by Don Siegel through like half of the chapter. So like you know mm-hmm. you'll be reading about like you know Invasion of the Body Snatchers or you know um, one of his like film noir movies or something like that, and like and you get a whole bunch of different different films kind of packed into one chapter That that's about, you know, it's sort of like the theme of the chapter is about a certain film, but it's, it's it ties in a whole bunch of other different movies and you know he'll talk about like someone that wrote the movie and then they'll he'll go into like some some of the movies they might have made or something just a whole bunch of different stuff like i think i don't know if it was the the paradise alley chapter but like he went into a whole thing about how he loved rocky and like you know he kind of like was tying rocky in with paradise alley and i just i thought that was really cool too
1: and this little gang of actors uh, what are they called the uh, the that um um, the you know the, play the kids gang whatever and oh the uh, east career... the east
0: the east side kids or the dead east end kids, kids and all those yeah, yeah that it. was good too <laughs> yeah and then like you know then another another chapter like he did he did Taxi Driver but then he followed it up with what if Brian De Palma had directed Taxi Driver because he originally had the script and he gave that to Martin Scorsese mm-hmm. so you're kind of he's kind of like wondering like how he would have cast it and who he would how he would have directed it and stuff that was really interesting too I love that one. But you know, I love the whole book. There's a there's a couple movies in there that I'm not a huge fan of, like Daisy Miller. I'm not like a, the biggest fan of that one. Like I would have liked to have. Have read a, a chapter about *Paper Moon* or *The Last Picture Show* or something like another, you know, another Peter Bogdanovich film, but that's the one he chose. But you know, whatever, find, that's just a little the, personal the selection.
1: The, the selection of movies um, yeah. puzzled me at first, and yeah. I think what's good is that, as you said, the the book's not just about the titular uh, titles, uh, or right. the chapters, but they're, they're about so much more. Right. But I think he manages to to drive across a point with with his selection of movies, and they might not be the all the grindhousey stuff that we're usually uh, hearing or reading from Quentin, but right. this is a, this is a very specific selection. Uh, but also, and it, it brings us to to what we're going to talk about next. It brings us to what were the movies from the seventies that meant a lot of uh, meant a lot to us. Or what were the right. movies from the seventies that? We're pulling out of the shelf because we're now a certain, you know, inspired to think about the movies from that era or decade that we found interesting. And of course, there is no such thing as 70s cinema. I mean, uh, uh, there's like a New Hollywood. There's the movie right. brats. There's uh, yeah. uh, grindhouse and exploitation cinema. There's the spaghetti westerns that came out later. There's the, there's the horror and slasher movies. Then like the late seventies, that's almost like eighties cinema stylistically. I would say so. There's a lot of stuff that that is rolled into you know. You cannot call it '70s cinema, because but but if we were talking although about it came 70s,
0: if it came out in the '70s though that means you know it's like that's what I that's how it I is. look at it. maybe it like is, maybe not like one yeah, category but the decade itself anyways yeah. you know what I'm saying
1: so so for, depending on what 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 aspect um, you're but looking I, at. It can be different, different kinds of movies. And that's, that's kind of the beauty about it. And I think that the, you and I, we made a point of, uh, for this episode to not pick a grindhouse reflex because yeah, we want to save it for the other podcast a topic for something else.
0: Yeah. And also like, it was, um, like I was going to say is like, um, you know that like i've seen so many movies from the 70s that's like my probably my favorite decade for film so trying to narrow that down to like two films to talk about is like it's kind of like ridiculous so i basically just picked two of my favorite movies i mean i'm not going to like you know you can't narrow down i i, I just checked my letterbox stats and i have watched 1352 movies in the 70s by it alone so i'm trying to narrow that down to two which is like whatever i'm just going to pick two of my favorite movies from the 70s it could be anything like you know so I just picked two of my favorites, and that's it. And you did the same thing, so you know. Right. So for, we, for, we, could whole, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we could do yeah, like so a whole, yeah. We could do like a whole series on you know we could do a whole podcast series on the 1970s, but you know it's like that's a, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, so for
1: for our listeners, uh, each of us picked two movies from the 70s, and they may not be the best or the favorites, but they they are titles that for us have a certain quality that we wanted to talk about, and Mm -hmm. in the end, we hope that maybe this is something that inspires a few of, of the listeners out there to do the same, maybe as you did look into the letterbox list and see, okay, what is the, uh, what are the movies from the seventies that I have seen? What are the movies from the seventies that I haven't seen that are really interesting?
0: But it's like, I think with this, we wanted to pick two movies that like that meant a lot to us that we like, we've probably rewatched a lot of times. That's how I did mine. I, I just picked two of my favorites, that, probably from this the past few years that I've been rewatching over and over again just, I don't, they just hit you in a certain way or, you know, you just mm-hmm. connect with them a certain way or, you know, that's, that's how I did it. So.
1: I don't okay. Know. So we're going to alternate. Um, do you want to start with one of yours?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I was going to start with uh scarecrow, which is from 1973. It was uh, released by Warner brothers. And um, this was directed by Jerry Schatzberg and the, um, the stars are Gene Hackman and Al Pacino. And Al Pacino had worked with uh, Jerry Schatzberg a couple years before in uh, The Panic and Needle Park, which is another movie I probably – another one, a possible pick. But I didn't, I just chose this one because I've just been watching this one a lot. And um, it's like kind of a road movie. Um, they're both sort of – I can kind of read the uh, synopsis just to give a little idea, let people an idea what it's about. So um, Max is an ex-con with a bad temper in a dream. To open his own car wash in Pittsburgh. Lion is an ex-seaman on his way to Detroit to see his the wife and child he ran out on six years before. They're a couple of born losers and their story will win your heart. Scarecrow is the sad, funny, powerfully moving odyssey of two dreamers adrift on the high seas of life. Like castaways, they take each day as it comes, reading signs in the wind and vaguely waiting for their ship to come in. And like castaways too, they form a tentative, strengthening, finally unbreakable bond of friendship. Gene Hackman and Al Pacino are magnificent in their leading roles as Max and Lion. Scarecrow is an actor's movie, and Hackman and Pacino are actors par excellence. Hackman, winner of the 1971 Academy Award for Best Actor in his hard-bitten role as Popeye Doyle in The French Connection, shapes a stunningly three-dimensional character whose speech, gestures, and mannerisms etch him indelibly into our minds. Al Pacino's intensity animated the disintegrating amateur bank robber in Dog Day Afternoon and powered the brooding, domineering Michael Corleone in The Godfather. In Scarecrow, he portrays a true innocent, a simple-minded wanderer whose heart remains just out of reach of the deadening influences around him. His great range as an actor has never been more dramatically revealed. This is the third feature film by director Jerry Schatzberg, who also directed Al Pacino's powerful film deba- debut in the Panic! and Needle Park. Scarecrow won the coveted Golden Palm Award as Best Picture of the 1973 Cannes Film Festival. It's a boldly crafted, determined, determinedly unsentimental essay on the human condition. And on the road with Max and Lyon, you may find your own outlook on life springs suddenly into sharper focus. So that just gives you, like, a little idea of what the movie's like. And I think it was sort of, like, inspired by – it sort of was came came out in the wake of Easy Rider, Midnight Cowboy, and it has a little they, – they've kind of compared it to Of Mice and Men, too. It has a little touch of that to it, too. But, I mean, I, I've always been a big fan of road movies. I think you're a fan of road movies, too. But, like, you know, just people going, like, yeah, you know, taking on an adventure.
1: Yeah. Of Mice Mice and Men is what what it reminded me in the beginning. Right.
0: And and I really, I, that's one of my favorite like movies, the the original one with uh, Burgess Meredith and Lon Chaney Jr. I've always, I've been a fan of that for a long time, but I probably like, I probably watched this and I I subconsciously like, you know, thought about that, but I didn't realize I wasn't probably thinking of Mice and Men, but when when I read that, I was like, Oh yeah, definitely of Mice and Men. But uh, you know, of course, it was cool because Gene Hackman had just come off French Connection and Al Pacino had just done The Godfather. So these characters are sort of, you know, I mean Gene Hackman is, is always good at playing like kind of hot headed, like, you know, tough characters like that. In this one, he he's playing another like an ex con and then Al Pacino is playing something different than Michael Collione. He's sort of like a kind of like a um amiable, uh, like, ex-sea merchant guy, and he's like, you know, they're both on the road, and they're trying to get back to uh, Max wants to start a car wash in Pittsburgh, and uh, he meets um, uh, Francis Lionel Del Bucchi is his real, is Al Pacino's character's name, but but Max gives him the, the nickname Lion, so they just call him Lion throughout the movie, but so they, they decide to like, you know, go into business as, you know, the co-owners of the car wash. So they just start traveling across the country together. I think it starts in California, I think. It's like, like somewhere in California. I don't know where it is. But I always loved the opening of the movie, like how it starts out, like in that big wide shot of like the hill and Max is just kind of walking across a huge hill and it's like out in the middle of nowhere and then and then al pacino was like just happens to be like standing near a tree and they're just like hey how you doing and like you know they just i just thought that was i just loved the opening shot of it and
1: in, in, in a That's way a, the characters are complete opposites of what, what both right. of these actors had played before because here they're right. like almost un, like small time hustlers almost right. I would say almost like losers
0: yeah they are in, they are the kind of movies they're like they larger losers. than life <laughs> right whatever. yeah I mean it's 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 cool because like they're kind of like you know like French connection you know also like the setting like you know they're kind of like in the city you know they're playing like urban type characters this one they're kind of like you know just like out like outsiders and like drifters and stuff I just love the kind of like just seeing those different types of characters compared to the other, the other ones that they had just played. So, and especially with with Al Pacino had just come off the Godfather and that's such a huge, big hit. And they, you know, they were both in huge hits and this one is sort of like low key and kind of like a little side, you know, under understated type movie.
1: Yeah. And as, as you mentioned the opening shot, I mean, one thing that struck me from the beginning and I had not seen this before. So I was, this was one movie just like the other movie that you picked for this show, I had yep. the yep. first time watching it. But right. The cinematography is just amazing. I mean, this is obviously yeah. uh, Vilma Sigmund, Heaven uh, Skate, uh, The Deer Hunter. Um, Blowout. This, this movie, <laughs> movie Blowout. Yeah, and then yeah. a bunch of other movies. I, I like his work a lot. The yeah, he's amazing looks, cinematography. The movie looks absolutely fantastic. And yeah, and I'm pretty... The, yeah. Not just the outdoor scenes or whatever
0: right and I think I'm pretty sure that Jerry Schatzberg was a photographer before he became a director so that's probably you know that's one reason probably it looks good as good as it does because of that but yeah I mean you know the and then the cinematography cinematography by Vilma Zygmunt, of course is just one of the, another aspect that we you know makes it look awesome but um yeah I mean it's it's sort of the, and, and another thing I was thinking of when we were, I was watching these movies again is they all sort of have that 1970s new Hollywood, like ending to them in a way, you know what I mean? You know, it's, they, they're like a downbeat ending. Almost all the movies on our, that we picked, they all have that kind of like, you know, not like, not like the, like when you go to see the movie in it, movies in the eighties, like where like everybody would like, you know, ride off into the sunset happy or something like that. These are like, these end with like, kind of like tragic in tragic ways. Not, yeah, all them, is, not all of them, not all of them, but some of them were tragic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I mean was, it's just, I, I you know,
1: this was a super down ending. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It, and that's
0: like a, that's like a really like, a, a, that's like a perfect example of like the new Hollywood style. Cause I think what happened in the in the seventies was like the, the, the directors were all like kind of students of the French new wave and Italian neuro, neo realism and like the Japanese films. And those had like different, they, they, you know, they weren't all like happy, happy-go-lucky like type movies. They were all like kind of like they all had crazy, like you know, um, you know, different tones to them. So that's why they, like, even like if you watch like a movie like Mean Streets or something that ends with like a total crazy ending, like you know, it's not like the usual happy, happy, like you know, golden age Hollywood ending. It's just they were just influenced by that that style where everything doesn't end like on a, on a upbeat note. So that's just one of the little. Little aspects of new Hollywood films that I've always liked too, you know.
1: Yeah there's a, there's a few things that that came to mind and this is just maybe my little um uh, feedback having seen this the first time. I mean, I, I read somewhere yep. that yeah this might not be like the pinnacle of the new Hollywood movies but it's it's definitely very as you said very new Hollywood in right, how right. dark and serious and brutal it can get. Like, right, right. And I think th- there are some lighthearted moments in there and especially oh, yeah, the, yeah, there is. the first half especially. But then yep. um not to give anything away but in like especially the third act it gets like really it does away with the remaining ideas of the lightheartedness and it gets really dark. It kind of takes it. It
0: takes it right. It takes like a turn. Like, you know, you don't know exactly where it's going to go. And it kind of takes kind of like a dark twist at the end Uh towards the end of the movie. But that's what I'm trying to get at. Like, I think a lot of those movies, like think of easy rider or something or like cool hand Luke or something. Mm -hmm. Like even, even bullet kind of like, you know, even like those movies, they all in dirty Harry, just look at all the endings of these movies. None of them like end with like, you know, at the end of Dirty Harry, I mean, not to spoil it, but he, you know, he kills the guy and then he kind of like throws his badge away and he walks away or a bullet like it kind of ends like with him killing somebody and like, you know, he, it just doesn't end with like a happy, happy, like, like tone to it. It's just like kind of like dark and kind of like sudden type stuff. And that's yeah, the way even, this one goes, you know?
1: Yeah, And even the main premise, um, right. and that's also very, you know, very new Hollywood is that the right. main premise also gives you like a weird feeling in the stomach. Like right. this is again, what, you know, it's again, one of those hustler movies, the guys keep talking about their dreams, but they never really reach them. You right. know, that, you know, it's all a lot of bull, you know, they keep <laughs> right. telling themselves these stories, but then, you know, it's just really a bunch of,
0: hobbits. they never, they never get there. And, and they're and really
1: it's, horrible yeah. con men. <laughs> (laughs) Like they're really bad at it.
0: (laughs) I know. But also it's like another thing where like a lot of these movies where like the main, like even like the main heroes of the movies, like they'll end up getting killed or something like, you know, in, in the movie or they'll, you know, they'll go to prison or something like, you know, there's all these dark things that happen to these people versus like the way, you know. In later decades, like, you know, like, there's never, like, someone dying, like, you know, the main character isn't going to die, like, in the, at the end of the movie, they're just going to, like, triumph over whatever the problem is, like, Top Gun or something, you know, everybody's, like, happy at the end of the movie, but it's just that, you know, the classic three-act structure thing, but the, these, the 70s movies seem to, like, kind of, like, go against that, they were, like, kind of, you know, going, like, into different areas and trying different ideas as opposed to just doing the same old thing, so... Yeah, and it's, that's it's just why I like that them too.
1: You that, that you mentioned the structure, because yeah. what, what what struck me about this movie is that it actually has kind of a two-part structure. Right. They're actually they're they're bad hustlers outside of jail, <laughs> and then they end up in jail and like a one act structure. <laughs> but then but then they're just as yeah. bad in jail as they yeah. are outside of jail. I know. So they really, you know... it's like it's like even jail is too big a place for their like limited capacity of making right. things happen. Like sometimes you have prison <laughs> movies where you have like people that are like in jail and they're like absolutely they're too big for the place they're right too exactly. smart they're they yeah. outsmart everyone and then they but these two guys are like oh come on and i also <laughs> kind of <you> know, saw <laughs> I, I think that one of the greatest moments is when 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 gene hackman's character breaks out in a little dance in that bar to where oh yeah yeah
0: him. he takes his like no, you, does his little you stripper. realize
1: that in in the end somehow <laughs> they know that they suck at what they're doing right. but as much as it kind of um they have moments. They have, moments. they have their little moments and <laughs> right. they're there. Yeah. they have a little joy in life or whatever.
0: <laughs> but I mean, I, don't you think like when you when I watch these movies, I feel like they're more like real life is real life isn't like you know mm-hmm. three act structure all the time like you know one two three it, there's like all these weird like twists and turns that we go through like you know some things will happen and like you'll and have to deal with it or yeah, you know what I mean like
1: I'm not dishwasher to millionaire it's yeah I mean you meet people that are you know. dishwasher.
0: <laughs> yeah I mean whatever it is it's just you know that's just I mean you know as far as like my my what I'm interested in as far as cinema goes that's the type of and this type of movie is like it's not it's not really about the like story so much I mean that's you know they're going going on the trip across the country. It's more about like just getting to know these characters and like you know seeing their personalities and like and also I think this movie in particular is probably an awesome film for aspiring actors to watch cuz you can really see two masters like you know really delivering the goods as far as like the acting goes. I mean it's just amazing to me. Gene Hackman and Al Pacino like at their best kind of in the 70s. I just think that's a good that would be a good like place to if you're an actor like to just to watch that
1: mm. so and uh, i i i charted I down one thing of the, it's a little trivia basically yep. but yep. You, we're gonna get to your other movies uh, yep. after the break but i yep. found a yep. similarity between this movie scarecrow and the other movie you picked and it's <laughs> in both movies you have a character that tells a story about how they got their fingers whacked with a ruler by their teacher when they're oh registered. yeah yeah
0: that's right I forgot, I forgot about that that's right the the, the ruler thing that was pretty yeah, I thought
1: good that was really funny like yeah. both movies had that
0: and i think both yeah i mean and they're both they both sort of have that same like you know that same type of theme to them like outsider it's like actually max and max and uh lion kind of remind me of scruffy dogs like a two couple a two couple of dogs like you know kind of like going across the you know the country together you know they just remind you of that a little bit like you know just in there, like you know, one's like kind of like a little nice little pooch, and the other one is like kind of like a you know a mean <laughs> mean dog or something. Anyways, but th- that was just one little thought I had. But um, yeah, I mean yeah, it's I just mean, awesome.
1: Thank you for for pointing me to that movie. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I, f- I felt a little like Gala Avery trying to keep up in <laughs> case Haver. I'm keeping <laughs> up with with you yeah. because uh, for this episode I I discovered yeah. two movies that I hadn't seen before.
0: Yeah, I mean I really I these are two of my favorites. So hopefully, like you know. If people listen to this, they'll watch them if they haven't seen them. But I think there. I think if you're a movie geek, a lot of people have know these movies. They probably have heard of them. It's not like, but it's not like you know. I'm picking like Jaws and Star Wars. I mean, they're a little bit more, you know, a little bit more obscure for people, I think, than those. But obviously, but, but um, I guess just a little trivia on the making of the movie. Um, Gene uh, Hackman and Al Pacino kind of. Went in uh, incognito as um, beggars in San Francisco just to try to just to try to get into character and like learn more about them, you know what they were tr- what they were playing. So that was kind of interesting, and I guess they had like a little tough time working together because Al, I mean Al Pacino and Gene Hackman's acting styles were a little bit different. So it was like kind of created a little bit of friction. But anyways, it- whatever they did, I just loved the the the, e- the end result. So okay, so yeah, that was uh, Scarecrow, and um, that was. My first pick, and you're next.
1: <laughs> okay, and uh, we're just going to keep going. So I'm going to do a little intro, and then uh, you do your reaction, and then we come back to your second one. And okay. my first pick is uh, Comes a Horseman. Uh, mm-hmm. And Comes a Horseman, I picked... um. It's not because it's uh, one of my favorites I picked it because I thought it was representative for that type of film that is very much anchored in the 70s and this is a late 70s movie so I think this came out in 78. It's, yeah, it's kind of the melancholy late westernish kind of um movie that represents uh, a clash of worlds you know it's a swan song to a way of life uh mm-hmm. and um uh, um, I'm just gonna go, give a quick, a uh, um, quick um, summary of the yep. story, and then I'm gonna give a few items of what I thought was interesting about it. And the story mm-hmm. is that you got this guy Frank, played by mm-hmm. James Caan. Uh, he's a, he's a vet, uh, just as his buddy Billy Joe, played by Mark Harmon. They come back from the war. I think it's World War II. They mm-hmm. buy a piece of land from Ella Connors. And Ella Connors is played by Jane Fonda uh, out in, I think, the Colorado uh, Plains or whatever, somewhere to build a a, a ranch. So that's their dream. Because if you watch a war mm-hmm. movie, they're all like, oh, if we, you know, after the war, what are we going to do? We're going <laughs> right. to buy yeah, exactly. a piece of land. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so this is kind of where... It, it, absolutely like american uh war that's movie, their way uh, of starting ecology, over or whatever. You know? yeah. so and then there's this uh, big tycoon uh, called uh, jacob ewing played by jason robart mm-hmm. and uh he used to have a relationship with ella connor's uh, when they were younger and he's after their land mm-hmm. uh ella and frank are kind of easy prey because Both are always like one or two harvests away from ruin. And so they need to get plenty of cattle to market to make ends meet. So it's a really tough life that they're having. And Ewing has already bought up all the land around them. And he has the federal government on his side because the federal government wants um, some of the land to be designated for exploration for oil or something. Right. And uh, when his like goons kill up, kill his buddy frank ends up teaming up with ella to face ewing down right so that's kind of the premise of the story and it's um it struck me kind of like the open range kind of movie that's what i was
0: thinking of when i was watching it open range and another and it has a little touch of there will be blood in there too with the oil you know with uh with ewing with uh jason robard's character he has a little bit of like that daniel Plainview thing Mm -hmm. going on but you know, I I think overall, I think there will there will be blood is a better movie, but I mean, you know, it's but I mean, I I did like this one. I thought it went by pretty fast. I was watching it. I was like, wow, that went pretty, but that one that flew by that movie because so it was you just the, you know,
1: you yeah. have the free range kind of people on the one one side. You have the big shot industrialist right. on the other. You have the right. individualism versus capitalism kind of thing, right. and you have that. The last three cowboys that they're doing God's honest work, and you have Mm -hmm. the big shot greedy fella, and it's it's kind of uh, (laughs) a symbolism for you know a country going through profound change. Also, right, that's a good point. What what I found interesting also that there's a lot of little ties because it's also a coming home movie because it's about veterans coming home. Right, and of course, (laughs) Frank, um, of course Jane Fonda. Was already in a um, a movie called Coming Home.
0: Oh yeah, Coming Home. Coming yeah, home was that the same? Was that the same year? I think it was uh, the same year.
1: Oh, I forgot to look it up because I. Yeah. It might have been. I the think same it was year. seventy-eight. Yeah, and, so, so and, yeah. Quentin doesn't like uh, coming home. By the way. Yeah, and, it's. I think he mentioned you know. that in the book because he finds it too like contrived or whatever.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and I yeah, thought
1: I thought, yeah. I thought Jane Fonda was great in this.
0: Yeah, so, um, she's she's. I was gonna say she's when I was watching, it, I was thinking she was playing the anti-Barbarella. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> it's a
1: very very strong character. So there's yeah. a few things yeah. that struck me, and this I hope this kind of illustrates of why I picked this one. Yeah. So um, you have a really good director. You have Al- Alan Pacula, he did yeah. all the all the president's men. Yep and um parallax has, view <laughs> yeah the parallax view also uh, exactly you have cinematographer gordon willis he's a he's a, one of the big ones he did the godfather he's like coppola's little entourage um, right. camera guy and yep. the movie looks the part i mean it looks absolutely amazing the, it definitely
0: has the 70s kind of like darkish you know what i mean kind of like a dark mm-hmm. t- tone to it too and v- just visually. like uh,
1: scarecrow opens uh, yeah opens cmi it sort of the, you know, the, the plains the colorado mountains mm-hmm. And they have the people who are small dots in the landscape. Right. And it gives a little, like, good little atmosphere to, you know, the cowboys tending to the cattle. And you see the enormous right. physical work that goes into, um, right. you know, keeping this enormous land um, um, going to, in to the cattle. Their name, to yeah. their name also. Because, yeah. you know, if they right. cannot um, reap the bounty of the land, they will lose it. Right. Um, And And then the battle um,
0: between the two, you know, the two different people, like one person's just trying to like kind of live peacefully and like do her thing. And then like the other guy is trying to like impose his will on everyone. And,
1: and and also,
0: and also there's an important part, like at the beginning, like where they, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but anyway, but they, but he, there, there, there is a point where um, James Kahn's character could just walk away from this, but he decides not to. Remember that little part mm-hmm. where it's like, a, so that's sort of an important part. Like that would have changed the whole thing, but of course, it's a movie, so he's not gonna not gonna just take the <laughs> take take the easy way out. He's gonna go the and, other way. And, but
1: and I think what, what what this movie does well is not just that um yeah. uh, that layer of of the people but also it, it does a good job at saying you know what this is and it's not just the people that are tough here and have right. to be tough yeah. because the you know good guys versus bad guys and uh, the robber barons robbing the grabbing the land or whatever but also yeah. you the movie goes to great lengths also showing like the weather is tough the soil right. is dry and you know the, yeah the it's very rough the circumstances are really hard it's uh, harsh stuff yeah, yeah it's really hard right. and it's it's it, so it's not just about you know good and bad and whatever and the little right, guy right. and the big guy it's also like yeah. this these have to be tough characters and yep. as you yes. said you know they could just you know they could just sell the land and walk away <laughs> right but right. For, for, and, uh, for a number of reasons they don't and um this is kind of you know this is a you know for me from a european perspective this is a very typical american story of course that has been told numerous times before but it makes right. it interesting because it you know it, it blends the 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 character level with the the land level in a way and it, you know it, it smacks a little bit of Heaven's Gate or the Missouri breaks or the uh, right. that open definitely range has that. or whatever
0: yep definitely has those to it
1: and um so uh,
0: yeah I liked just, it I, I thought this was a good film I I, uh, I I I mean you know there's maybe you know every time you watch these movies there's like a little certain things that like maybe don't Hit you the right way, but another thing I was thinking was that James Kahn and um, one of my favorite actors in the movie was Richard Farnsworth, who was he plays. Um, I'm not. It was. I don't think he's related to Jane Fonda's character. It's he's just like like one of the guys that works on her her ranch. I, I forget the, his. I forgot his
1: or something. Yeah, I
0: forgot. I forgot his name, hmm. but but he's like one of my favorite act uh, people in the movie. But I also remember that him and James Kahn would go on to be in misery together, which is just a little like you know. Off, mm-hmm. off you know topic thing but I just mm-hmm. I just thought of that while I was watching but yeah he's he was one of the best characters in the movie but I but Jason Robarts he didn't really get a ton to do like he was sort of just playing like the evil the evil villain of the movie like through the whole thing he didn't really you know what I mean like he didn't he he wasn't able to like
1: yeah
0: it was sort of like two-dimensional in a way he didn't but I mean he was good but I mean
1: I, I yeah, don't think this, they gave him uh,
0: enough to really, you know.
1: Yeah, and this brings me right. a little bit to to, to mm-hmm. the problems with the movie. And yeah. um, I would say the biggest problem is the script. I mean, Dennis yeah. Linton Clark or whatever, he's like a nobody. Yeah um yeah. I yeah. think um the relationship with Ewing is unclear, as is yeah. his motivation, which is part of the problem, as you mentioned. Yeah, um, it's a little
0: murky, like a little. Yeah, murky. I
1: find I find Frank too one-dimensional a little bit. Yeah, and wh- when they kill his partner, this is hardly a thing in the movie. I don't know. <laughs> it, yeah, it just it, it it it's struck just, me like it should have been a bigger deal.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was just and, it kind uh, of flew uh, by. So that
1: there's a little, there's a bunch of holes in the in in, in the script. But uh, I dug out um um a review. Um, from the LA Times of that year. And I think it it points to exactly what, what you and I have said. And it, uh, let me just, uh, what I yep. have to quote it? So, yep. um, the movie is not about the plot as such. And you mentioned that about the 70s earlier. Right. The movie's right. not about the plot as such, but about the way of life, which the plot interrupts. The care right. and authenticity with which that way of life is recorded helps comes a horseman overcome some real problems, notably mm-hmm. a pace that is too... But uh, that's all too reverentially slow and a mm-hmm. totally inadequate delineation of the Robards character. Yeah, and I think right. I think the movie would have been so much stronger if that character w- would have been you know more fleshed out. And right. Exactly. Almost exactly. like it's yeah. onto it. It's
0: a little bit. It's a little bit too like you know like just an old school like you know. Uh, Mustache twirling villain, like he didn't really have a lot to do in it, you know. He's yeah, just the like, bad know? guy because they yeah, need a bad. guy Just the bad guy, guy right? you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I, but well, I mean overall, yeah. Yeah, I
1: think overall, I mean, it, it. I would absolutely recommend it. It's, it's got, yeah. you know, it's, it's nice looking it as a great soundtrack. The performances are nice and great. Yeah, and, I thought it was good, and
0: I really like Jane Fonda in this movie too. I have to yeah, say, absolutely. I thought she She's was really such a yeah. tough,
1: tough character, and it's it, the, Khan and and Fonda have great chemistry. I definitely, think.
0: yeah, definitely.
1: Um, I think you know it gets some bad reviews also, and it's it's. It, I don't think it's on anyone's top list, but I yeah. think it's almost like one that's overlooked for the wrong reasons. I mean, right. Um,
0: it kind of reminded you know, me a little bit of. You know, it, not that it reminded me of Parallax View, but it sort of had that same, like, James Conn's character is sort of like, in a way, sort of like um, Joe Frady in a way. He it just, if he, like, in certain ways, like, like I I think what reminded me of that is when he goes to the bar and the guy, guy starts to start, like, trouble with him and he just, like, knocks his ass on the ground. Like, it, was, it just reminded me of, like, Joe Frady and when he goes to the bar in uh, Parallax View and, like, he has, like, that big fight with that guy that picks on him. I just, I don't know. I guess that's what it was. It was sort of like a little <laughs> thing moment. But anyways yeah but yeah, I mean maybe, uh, I, I overall I, I have to say I I mean I like I had never seen this movie before and I'm, I'm a huge western fan as you know so this is one I kind of like missed I don't know it was just one of those little ones that fell through the cracks for me but I, I I thought the movie flew by like when I was watching it I was like wow that's it's over already I was just you know I just g- got into it and and yeah Jane Fonda yeah, and, and, and James a, Conner are two of my favorites too
1: and I think there's a whole bunch of movies that are kind of like this from the yeah. 70s I, yeah, I remember another one that is it's not it's not a it's it's a different story but it's a similar yeah. type movie it's um the one with um Mel Gibson and Sissy Spacek i think oh
0: yeah i, I don't think i've I, I know the is it the uh, what is it the river or something by the or river
1: or something yeah something and like it,
0: that I haven't seen that one like, but I know the, about it but
1: and as I said it's not just that there's you know the economic or character yeah. problems yeah but also nature and the country that is harsh
0: yeah there's uh, been a lot of movies about that sort and of the story
1: stubbornness before. of folks yeah. you know like yeah. well you just move somewhere else
0: <laughs> right I mean it's just they they they're too proud to move or something or like I don't know what it is but you know it's just You know, like the Jane Fonda's character, she's like, you know, I'm going to do whatever I got to do to like hold on to my land and she, she's like but i mean that's what you like about the character though because that she's like she won't like back down to this guy and stuff and mm-hmm. james khan is just trying to help him to help her out and like you know do the right thing and stuff but
1: and also she i mean for him it would be so much easier to walk away because he's yeah, not he like sentimentally yeah. attached to the place but yeah for it's her, like... it's, she's got history there you know?
0: <laughs> i have to say that i would have i would have i would have walked away <laughs> i would have been like okay i'll go see you later <laughs> I'm going to yeah, go like, and take this money and go like live down in Florida or something. I'm not going you
1: know, to live kill on this his,
0: goddamn freaking ranch. I
1: mean, <laughs> yeah. I just... mean,
0: that was, that was tough. And Mark Harmon was in the movie for like five minutes and he's like, yeah. Oh, he's kind of like laughing and goofing around. And then all of a sudden he's like dead all of a sudden, like yeah. 10 minutes later. Yeah. I mean, I'd that was like, it, okay, that must've been one of here. his, <laughs> that must've been one of his first movies. I don't know if, I don't think it was his very first movie, it but it was like, the you know, shortest movie. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely a shortest movie. Yeah. I mean, you know, but uh, yeah, that was a good film. That, I mean, that was something I hadn't seen before. And, you know, I remember I've I, I kind of like heard about it like here and there over the past year. Like I keep seeing Comes a Horseman, Comes a Horseman. I think you were talking about it. And I was like, I got to check that movie out.
1: And it's out on Blu ray. So it's yeah. now it's easy to find. Yeah. It, so it probably has a nice, nice, uh, nice
0: new, brand new transfer and everything. Yeah, that's awesome. So that was a good pick. That was, a, you know, that, that was another good, like, you know, quintessential 70s movie.
1: Yeah. Also, a little say, bit overlooked, probably. Yeah, overlooked. Yeah. Yeah, overlooked
0: always nice. Yeah, and Algy Pacula, I mean, he he made he did a, He had a good run in the seventies. He did Clue. He did Parallax View. He did all the President's Men. Those are like his, some of the most popular movies of that decade, I think. too. you know, and um, okay. So but he also I did
1: Clue, exactly, and Clue is yeah, Clued, also with Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda,
0: right? Yeah, right. Okay. So that was a good, another good team up with them, I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, let's see. So should we do the next pick on my- Yeah, let's okay. uh,
1: let's move on to your second pick.
0: Okay, my next pick is The Friends of Eddie Coyle, which was released in 1973 by Paramount Pictures, and it stars Robert Mitchum. And I'll read a little synopsis of the story. In one of the best performances of, a, of his legendary career, Robert Mitchum plays small-time gunrunner Eddie Fingers Coyle in Peter Yates' adaptation of George V. Higgins' acclaimed novel, The Friends of Eddie Coyle. World-weary and living hand to mouth. Coyle works on the sidelines of the seedy Boston underworld just to make ends meet, but when he finds himself facing a second stretch of hard time, he's forced to weigh loyalty to his criminal colleagues against snitching to stay free. Directed with a sharp eye for its gritty locales and an open heart for its less-than-heroic characters, this is one of the true treasures of 1970s Hollywood filmmaking, a suspenseful crime drama in stark, unforgiving daylight. Yeah, and this is... This over the past few years, I've like rewatched this movie over and over again. This is another one with like characters that are like kind of like outsiders, of course. And Eddie Robert Mitchum play that's one of my most favorite Robert Mitchum roles is Eddie Coyle, and um, and another character that I really love in the movie is um Stephen Keats, who plays the guy that sells the guns to Eddie, and he's if you've seen the movie death wish he plays uh charles bronson's son and he's kind of like a nerdy jerk in that movie but in this movie yeah yeah, this movie this movie he's like he's such a he's such a charismatic character in this movie he's just one of my favorite that's one of my favorite roles of like you know any crime movie of the 70s is uh jackie brown by the way (laughs) the the name sounds familiar
1: (laughs) but i I wonder where that
0: where, where you know where that went on to show up again but uh, you know, I just but I but but the authenticity of this movie is really what I like about it. And also, since I grew up in Massachusetts, seeing the you know the different locales and stuff of the seven of that time period was like another little reason I liked the movie. But just really the acting and the authenticity of the characters, like you know, the you can it's very it seems very very real to me. Like bef- so, like before you watch like The Departed, or if you've seen The Departed or The Town those two movies that are about like Boston based crime characters. This one is like kind of the one that started it all started at all because it's just like sort of the, you know, the precursor to those movies. But yeah, I mean, it's an awesome film. And um, I just wanted to read a little, uh, the, the review, the, um, critics reviews, um, Vincent Canby of the New York times that the- called it, um, a good, tough, unsentimental movie. And um, Roger Ebert said, Eddie Coyle is made for for Mitchum, a weary middle-aged man, but tough and proud, a man who has been hurt too often in life not to respect pain, a man who will take chances to protect his own territory. But also the supporting cast is really excellent in this movie. Like Peter Boyle plays one of Eddie's like little one of his like fellow like mob guys like you know he's but he's He's got a great
1: role in this yeah he's an excellent (laughs) role
0: and also richard jordan plays like the cop that eddie kind of like ghost actually both him and peter boyle's characters are like being kind of like um manipulated by this cop played by richard jordan so they're so he's sort of like using them to get like information on like the you know the on crime and stuff and they're like trying to like you know and eddie is coming up for like a certain sentencing so he's trying to like he's trying to like give away people so he can stay out of jail and stuff and it's just really i just love the whole you know this like kind of like two-timing stuff going on and it's it's so obvious
1: to the audience though yeah it's it's just a little bit you're you're, yeah you feel a little bit sad for for, for, yeah he doesn't really see it or he doesn't want to see it
0: he's sort of like he's sort of like you know he's he's smart when it comes to the To the game to like the crime game but he's he's kind of like you know naive when it comes to like dealing with the cop and stuff so he's like kind of he's trying to do whatever he can do to like get himself you know to stay out of jail but you, you know they're kind of the cop is kind of playing everybody against each other like you know he'll say something to eddie and like oh i I can carry the ball for as far as i can go but you're gonna have to give me more information and then eddie mm-hmm. tries to give more information then he's also talking to dylan who's giving him stuff on the other guy on the other the other criminals who eddie is getting guns for so it's just this whole like kind of like you know back and forth like two-timing stuff going on but that's just then- part of the story. Uh-
1: but but then, yeah. what's your take on the title? Because you know, none of these are his friends. They're, yeah, the <laughs> the friends in
0: the friends, like you know, in quotes. You know, that's what it is. The friends of Eddie Coyle. is in like you know, they're right. just they're like you know, they're not his friends. Really, you know, of course they're not his friends. But you know, the, these are the people that you deal with in the underworld. You know what I mean? But I think, exactly. like, I actually think, out of all the characters in the movie, I think Jackie Brown is the most. See, they they all have a code. Like Jackie Brown has his code. Like there's a great scene where um he he's selling guns to this guy to this kid and the kid takes him to this like dark alley like not a dark an alley but like you know out in the woods somewhere and he's like okay Something's off here. So he he makes the kid like get out of the car. He like you know gets his like little spotlight and shines the light. He gets his gun out and he says, "Okay, now you're gonna have to like walk up the hill and like you know, or like you know, slowly walk down with the guns and stuff." So he does this stuff. He has this whole like you know process to like he doesn't trust anybody and he knows the the rules and but he's actually a very straightforward guy with the people he's dealing with. Like you know with. He kind of like you know he gets along with Robert Mitchum's character, but like you know he doesn't know that he's like kind of like double crossing him on this on behind his back. So it's like it's just a good, really good character. That's one of my favorite characters in the film. So but
1: yeah, and I, uh, and yeah. and. Uh... Also, this is uh, just like Scarecrow. I hadn't seen yep. the movie before. Yep. And I think the writing is absolutely brilliant.
0: It's, I think it's about, is it's so realistic. Like when Robert Mitchum is talking, like, you know, as Eddie and he's like, you know, having those conversations with Jackie Brown, it seems so real. Like, you know, he's just, he's like, it just sounds so authentic to me. And I think that the, the writer of the book was like from the, that area. So he kind of like knew how like gangsters talked mm-hmm. and stuff. And he, he made it a pretty damn authentic. I mean, it's like, you know, as far as like, if you watch like Jackie Brown, like the movie, like, you know, you, and that seems like authentic with like Ordell. If you watch this movie, you'll, you'll, you'll notice the authenticity of like, you know, Robert Mitchum, you know, as Eddie and stuff and those, okay. all those guys like talking to each other, how they talk to each other. Like, they, yeah,
1: yeah. I, And I and I made a I made a note of two things. Cause I in the writing I think is brilliant. But what's even yeah. what, what really what what killed it for me, I think, is the little speeches. Yeah. And the, it's almost like a Tarantino movie or yeah. like the Big Lebowski. It's super quotable. Yeah. It's yeah, I thought right. it's and yeah. I, I wrote down two 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 things that are yeah. almost uh almost I think not in the same scene, but uh, really uh somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I think Mitchum gets the best little speeches. Yeah, he does. There's one where he tells he's telling the guy that he'll have a problem problem because he told some people they can yeah. rely on him because he told this guy he can re- rely on him and they're really good at finding people
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we know we know how to find people or whatever yeah
1: we know how to, yeah, we're really good at finding yeah that,
0: people. i love those little speeches he gives like and, you know he's like and, you know and, and, and the speech really about his knuckles how he got his knuckles you know exactly. smashed
1: and the ruler as we mentioned earlier the ruler the, against the yeah those yeah, i love had, all those what, little things what really had me on the floor laughing almost yeah. is yeah. The, a little later i think it's the <laughs> scene about the what you mentioned, the dark alley, the yeah. arms dealer. He yeah. says, "Life's hard, man, but it's harder. harder if you're stupid. stupid." I love that quote. I always, I
0: still use that quote even in real life. I always say that to myself Life's when hard,
1: man, but it's harder if you're stupid. Yeah, and I love
0: that little. And I, and it's I what I found always found interesting about that scene was the guy that he's driving with, that guy that he's selling the guns to. It it, you're the way they talk to each other when they when the scene first starts. It's like they know each other, so it's like kind of something's weird. Like it's almost like like they're like friends from like the old days. But then like the kid brings them to that dark alley, and all of a sudden he turns on them. Like you know, I just found that weird. Like what was that about? You know what I mean? Like why would he why would he not trust the kid all of a sudden? But I guess. That, see that's what I mean like by his code it doesn't matter who he knows and who he like gets along with if he senses something's off then he just totally goes like into like you know into like um you know serious mode like you know total like pr- professional mode you know what I mean the way he, mm-hmm. you have to just see the scene what I'm talking about but I just thought that was interesting that little like little how they they seem like they're friends at first and then all of a sudden the kid is you know he's like what the hell is going where are you taking me or something like that I just I just thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. But there's, you know, the whole movie is like that. It's just a lot of good little scenes like, you know, between the different characters and, you know, and I love Richard Jordan's character. And this is as the, as the cop as, as, um, you know, he he's the way he's playing everybody against each other. He's like, you know, talking to Peter Boyle's character and Robert Mitchum's character. And he's just trying to like, you know,
1: you yeah, can he- tell he doesn't. I think it's fascinating what a great late career Mitchum had. Really, like yeah, he did. Not all of, not all of the movies. Yeah. He was no, in.
0: not all of them. But this but, one, this one is definitely one of his best in the later years of his career. Absolutely,
1: I recently watched uh, The Ambassador, and that's the even ambassador. later. But he was even yeah. great than that. I mean, I don't he, think
0: I ever saw that one, but. Like, was that in the 80s or something i don't know
1: yeah it's like it must have been the most ambitious um, uh, canon picture it even got rock Hudson oh. in it and whatever
0: <laughs> the ambassador i never even heard of that one that's yeah, weird that. J. Lee thompson okay. movie I even noticed i even noticed when i was watching the friends of eddie coil i noticed there's a little i think it was a nod to uh thunder road but there's a part where where they go to that little park where they're having the meeting him and richard jordan and he says something about the guys transporting moonshine i was like oh that must be a little a kind of a little nod to trump thunder road that's, or something you know? he says oh, i thought you you know he says you don't do that do you or he says something up to robert mitchum about it. he says i don't you know i don't know about that stuff <laughs> I that was kind of funny but yeah, i just you know, thought good. of that But I mean, you know, but I guess um, when uh, Robert Mitchum was making the movie, he actually met with some of the, you know, the Irish mob in Boston. So, like, he kind of, like, met those guys, which Alex Rocco, who plays one of, you know, the main criminal in the movie, which we we didn't, who people will know as Mo Green in The Godfather, by the way. He plays, like, the main, you know, the um, Jimmy Scalise, I think is his name in in this movie. But he plays, like, the main, um, you know, the criminal who's who's, uh, getting the guns from Eddie. But um, he he was he was actually part of the the mob before he became an actor. So he knows he knew all the guys in Boston, and like you know he had a different name and stuff. He changed his name to Alex Rocco. It was something else. But mm-hmm. so he kind of like put Robert Mitchum in touch with all the all the real guys. So that probably helped kind of inform his character too, which was good. But I think the writing itself was just amazing. That's probably you know just the writing alone. He didn't. You wouldn't even have to you know meet anybody in the mob. You could just read the script and you know get into character and he'd be able to do it it was just so good you know awesome yeah, and that, and script
1: as for as for the 70s uh, nature yeah. as you mentioned yeah ending, another another I ending
0: with the, the 70s ending, ending. A
1: super bummer i mean I yeah it that's another one harsh but it,
0: but it was actually kind of cool though i i, I mean i like the see I, I you know it's one of those endings where like you feel bad but then it's like the way it ends is kind of like kind of awesome i mean in a way the way it's just like so it's so like badass and so like you know, like who gives a f about anything? Like type ending. It's just I just love the ending of the movie. You have to yeah. watch it and see what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the type of stuff I look for. Like when I watch seventies movies, it's like those things that are like, wow, I didn't, I couldn't, I can't believe they did that type thing. I can't believe
1: they you know? did that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I can't believe they can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> so yeah, so that's my second pick.
1: Yeah, that was that that's, that's a great, great, yeah, uh, great feature. Oh,
0: thanks. I'm glad, glad you liked it. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I wanted.
1: As I said I felt like uh, like you know catching up with Peter.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just <laughs> you know you, you, and also but like you know where you, where you are like you don't have the same you probably don't have as much like um Access to the stuff, you know. I mean, I I probably I probably have more access to a lot of stuff than you have these days. You know what I mean? Oh, Yeah. Maybe this was
1: interesting for the yeah. for the listeners. Uh, Scarecrow yeah. is on the Internet Archive, and it's not great oh, yeah. quality, but it is in HD, and uh, the oh, it other is. one can um, be found as well. So I mean, yeah. yeah.
0: And I and, and Eddie Coyle I think is on Criterion, so it's uh-huh. you can get it, you know it's, if you can get Criterion discs and order it and
1: both great movies.
0: Yeah, worthwhile. So uh, your next pick is. <laughs>
1: Right on. My next pick is definitely one of my favorite seventies movies, and I yep. um, I will I'll mention bef- why I picked it before I'll tell a little bit more about the uh, the story. And it's High Plains Drifter.
0: Yeah, that's one of my most. I have to say, it's one of my my favorite favorites too. By the way, yeah,
1: yeah. And of course, in, in cinema speculation, there's quite a bit of uh, Eastwood in there and not just about yep. you know Dirty Harry, but also the person and the, and the filmmaker. Escape uh, from the,
0: Alcatraz too, which we didn't say. Escape from Alcatraz, yeah. exactly. Yeah.
1: And I, I picked High Plains Drifter because I think it's a good example of how someone like Eastwood maneuvered the 70s New mm-hmm. Hollywood tectonic change that was going on kind of
0: because he's not he's not one
1: of the, he's not one of the other ones he's not no it's not, not a progressive type he's not he's not
0: really a, he's not one of the movie brats either really he's yeah, sort yeah, of like before the he's, yeah. he's,
1: he's, it doesn't fall in, into any of these camps He's yeah. more of yeah. a classic like he came out of the yeah. seagull school he did a stint sergio leone
0: too theater. yeah, yeah.
1: And with this movie, he takes a classic genre Mm -hmm. and incorporates kind of a little bit of supernatural elements Mm -hmm. and modern day metaphors to get, you know, to do away kind of with the classic themes and mature them in a way. And I think that's kind of, that's always been his way of dealing with um, how, how times have changed. He, he, um, he matures the things that he's doing with. It's like he's, um, he's chipping away at the, at a block of 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 uh, and uh, i'm having a hard time describing it but he's not yeah he, eastwood's not doing new stuff because there's new times he's doing old stuff in a new way because there's right right
0: times. right i see what you're saying yeah yeah right
1: so, and uh, and he takes that to 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 an even further extent later in unforgiven for example right uh, and i think that's a there's the both movies, I think, are bookends: High Plains Drifter and Unforgiven. Would you no would one. you call
0: it like a deconstruction of the western or something? Maybe I don't know. Like he's kind of I like think, uh, maybe, that type of thing. Um, yeah.
1: I, I, he would probably never say that he deconstructs them. Yeah, and I'm not sure if that's what he's
0: doing, but or de-glor- glorification of the west or something maybe. Uh, like you know, he, at, least,
1: I, at least on the level of certain themes, I would say yeah. yeah.
0: Because um, I feel like he, I feel like he, like what he, what he, what he's been doing since the beginning is like he'll, he started out like playing the traditional Western hero. Then as he gets older, he kind of learns more about the Western here, what we, what, what the real reality of, or maybe he's showing the reality of the Western people, you know what I mean? As opposed to like the, the, the you know, the, the good guy in the white hat. And then like as you go to like Outlaw Josie Wheels, you see like a different side of it. But then as you, then when you finally get to Unforgiven, it's just a total like, you know, this is like the total like not worth being. You know, believing in these Western heroes because they were just kind of scumbag, you know, bastard people. You know what I mean? That type of and thing.
1: And it's just just it, it strips away a little bit the shiny yeah. stuff. Right, and, right. Uh, and, and yeah. His movies are a little bit more no nonsense in in, in yeah. a way. Yeah. And uh, and 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 this one um. Um, I mean, I hope that everyone knows about the movie, but it's just. Yeah, just I think sort of, I think it's pretty well known. Yeah, I
0: think this not, one is pretty for, well known. For,
1: for completeness' sake, this is a, yeah. a, a western, and there's a, a mysterious stranger that rides into the town of Lago, and he already finds an atmosphere of fear there. So it's like the citizens are harassed by. Ben. They're hiding
0: something. They're hiding something.
1: Or they're hiding something. I mm-hmm. yeah. don't quite know what, what he's, what's going on. He shoots a yeah. couple. So it's probably, so it's, he's, <laughs> he becomes the talk of the town. Yeah. He's quick with a gun. Yeah. There's the Sheriff Sam, played by Walter Barnes, who yeah. we know from The Big Gun Down. Yeah, maybe. I was
0: going to say The Big Gun Down. Yeah, Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And then right. the, he's got his little scheming sidekick, Mordecai.
0: <laughs> Mordecai, who's Billy Curt, who's played, Cur, who, who's played by <laughs> yeah, right. Billy Curtis, who's in one of my favorite. I just wanted to mention uh, Little Cigars. People, if you're like, a, you're like a grindhouse movie fan, you'll know that movie, Little Cigars. He was also in The Wizard of Oz, by the way, too. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. And so the sheriff and, and Mordecai, they're skeptical because uh, about the newcomer. Um, you know, because he's he's kind of a rough guy. He's got a rapey yeah. He's got a yeah. rapy tendency for sure.
0: <laughs> He's uh, <laughs> very, very rapey in this movie. Very rapey.
1: Yeah, and uh, but uh, interestingly about the story. So the town's business folk they have other worries. So there's yeah. a local bad guy called Bridges, played by Jeffrey yeah. Lewis, yeah. and his gang, and they're about to be released from jail. And they the business people fear that they will come to Lago to you know take revenge or whatever. Right. And so what they do is they hire the stranger as their protector, but they will have to comply with certain demands that they. <laughs> And he basically
0: you know, F's the whole He basically, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what, that's what the best, that's the best thing about the movie is that he, he is, are you still there? Yeah, yeah, I'm still there. Okay. I thought your, your microphone was cutting off, but that's, that's really the best thing about the movie is like how he plays the, the town against each other. Like he just, he just comes into town. He just like everybody is all pissed off and like, you know, upset and just awesome. Yeah,
1: and so, so they, they make this deal. And then at some point, they realize that they have practically made a deal right. with the devil.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So um, so that's the story. And then, of course, so this is a, more like an early 70s movie. This came yeah. out in 73. It was right. shot yeah. by Mono Lake in Northern California. I've been there, yeah. actually. At some You've point, been there, really? Like, oh. Weird, weird, eerie little place. Uh, that's the- a
0: that is an awesome, weird, like kind of like alien landscape of like yeah. that where that is, you know,
1: and it's such it's, a weird thing kind of like um, uh, quite a remarkable like post spaghetti western western
0: yeah um, and it, you know it re- i was going to say it reminded me a little of like uh, the beginning reminds me of fistful of dollars a little bit just like how he like kind of dr- drifts in and he's sort of like the stranger and everybody's kind of looking at him like strange it sort of like has a little bit of that touch to it right yeah
1: he would he would yeah. also do something yeah. later in uh, what's it called uh, um um um, pale rider, or something? Hit pale rider yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but out sort of, of the history- same idea yeah. out of his little post spaghetti western ones like yeah. um, hang him high and versus right. zero, i think this is the best one
0: yeah i i think i think i agree with i i, I mean i really like those but i think this is my favorite out of those three i, I just really i just i think i think it's just a, such a tightly well-made film it just it's like a you know like a like a what do you call it like a clockwork like you know like a swiss clock it just perfectly little story little revenge yeah, he story. went
1: through the he went through the seagull school <laughs> so yeah was,
0: yeah definitely it's it's definitely know, it's, it's almost like a don seagull film that he didn't make like a don seagull exactly. film that, he didn't that direct. that's
1: how it's usually yeah. called yeah, yeah, yeah and right. uh and absolutely so I, there's a few things that I like and uh one of them obviously is the movie's style so yeah. it's only his second work as a director and um you know for that I think he I mean he had a lot of help on the movie um, yeah. the script is by Ernest tidyman who did mm-hmm. the French brought the French connection yeah and uh, it's it's kind of a he picked he picked like a cynical allegory type movie for this one so yeah. it's not it's not like it's not as straightforward like Hang 'em high so as you mentioned right. earlier it's, it is a classic genre but he takes the elements and the elements here are not as classical
0: I think what I was thinking when I was watching this movie like was, I don't know why, but it just brought to mind like political parties. Like I was thinking like, (laughs) I was, (laughs) I was thinking like, uh, the, uh, the town are like Republicans and <laughs> Stacey Bridges and his guys are like the GOP and then they're trying to get revenge and then I don't know whatever Clint is like a Democrat I guess but I don't know I just was thinking like in those terms, not that it has anything to do with that but I just was like, you know, just the way the characters are I was just like this is kind of like reminds me of like Republicans versus Democrat. <laughs> okay.
1: uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get back to that. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it could mean in a second. Yeah, okay, I have another interpretation also yeah. What it could mean. Yeah. Um, I okay. like it also because uh, it's just in terms of the atmosphere it's absolutely yeah. uh, great yeah. like the, the increasingly apocalyptic atmosphere
0: mm-hmm. like yeah. it's just
1: it gets weirder and weirder
0: Yeah it does yeah and,
1: you know it's still you have all the cool lines in there you have some you know, nice dramatic reveals along the way you have your shootouts your fishy cuffs yep. and what have you I mean it's still a western you know uh and uh but also uh, as you mentioned it's kind of uh, he runs a tight ship so the movie he the movie wastes a little time in the beginning uh it pulls out all the stops towards the end
0: <laughs> mm, yeah uh, definitely
1: from from yeah. when I first watched it as a teenager I remembered it as a you know Sinister brutal Western a spaghetti western clone kind of when i watch it today it seems i want to say less violent to me but it's still sinister and has a lot more i would say has a lot more to offer than meets the eye i mean it gets scolded because it's like so violent and rapey and whatever but it's you know there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that you could analyze and interpret in this um
0: and an awesome it is another one with an awesome ending like sort of like a 70s ending like with the mysterious type and right,
1: he, but and, and with uh, a yeah. twist. I mean, he does ride into the sunset, kind of. Yeah,
0: but yeah, it leaves, he does.
1: You're like sick to your stomach. Kind of a done.
0: weird. I love the. I love the sound, like the score of the, like when it starts, like that. We like it has like that weird, high pitched yeah. like, noise. I don't know what it what it is, but it's just an. Oh, yeah. It's and like very like it's kind of like a ghost like like kind of like pitch. I don't know. I just love that whole, the way it yeah. starts. Like and he right. rides out of the heat, like the heat. Uh, of the like the the uh, the desert
1: it's a so biblical kind of thing like supernatural type. the devil or whatever yeah. who is, he, is
0: this guy like you don't know what he is is he is he a devil is he an angel what is what is he
1: and he's, he's not an angel because <laughs> an angel he wouldn't rape a blow an
0: angel of death yeah i know that's true i guess he would rape, <laughs> rape somebody like he he's like you know and also, the also the girl that he go he goes after is Mariana Hill, who people will know from the Godfather Part Two. <laughs> she was in a bunch of like good stuff back then, yeah. good stuff. And she was in the Baby. Did you ever see the Baby?
1: Uh, is that Remember that
0: weird one with the the adult baby? That's what we always talk about that one on the other podcast. Sure.
1: <laughs>
0: she was in that one too. But anyways, that's I'm going off topic. Yeah. And yeah,
1: but yeah, but yeah. As I mentioned, I mean, the, the ending is absolutely. This is a great crazy. cast. Crazy, yeah. and also the 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 movie has a progression, and at some point the town is painted red, and you yeah get, that's an awesome this by awesome itself part. is kind of a metaphor, of course
0: yeah just <laughs> and, a little bit <laughs> and
1: then the citizens, they, you know, they the, of the town they they realize that they've really They've really effed this up, as you said. Right. and uh, it turns they, they, into they, there's that a kind yeah. of armor get on in the end, actually. The,
0: uh, right, and but I mean, they're, the the whole the whole thing of the story is is they're hiding like they're hiding something, and that's why they're like you know they they're kind of like guilty of something. Like they, that they have a they coming. don't really know what it is. Yeah, that's they
1: do. What makes it kind and Clint of Clint Eastwood third comes in and thing. just kind of
0: he manipulates the whole town against each you know he kind of manipulates everybody and
1: they're not innocent victims of, right. of whatever's going on and this no. w- is what makes it interesting in the end and i think that's also what makes it morally okay to see what's going on because you right. know this is not they're not the victims
0: here. <laughs> no they're like they're just they're all guilty like all the, the whole p- place is guilty but i love like the part like like i love like you know since like since they know that um, Clint Eastwood's character is a total awesome gunfighter, like you know they they hire him to like you know protect them from the and like they 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 say you can do whatever you want and he goes into the to the general store and like some in old Indian like who they they're always like telling them to get the hell out of there he just gives like he, he gives the little kids like a big jars of candy and he gives the Indian like a big huge stack of like d- like these beautiful blankets and stuff and like they you know they, they can't do anything about it because they have to like you know keep them on to protect them so it's like I just love that whole how he how he manipulates everybody on that that level It was just really great Clint like uh came up with his little stock company of actors because those are the all the actors you kind of see pop up in his movies like over the years like Jeffrey Lewis was in like Thunderbolt and Lightfoot not that it was his movie but like you know he, he kind of like helped kind of produce that movie I think it sounds right like I think that was a sound- Mel Paso sure. movie yeah the soundtrack is
1: from the same guy too, Lee Barton. He made a soundtrack for right. And through.
0: this. yep, that's right. And then, um, you know, they did be like in Unforgiven. Remember, like Anthony James, who played one of the uh, Stacey Bridges' pal there, like one of the one of the the three there. He showed up mm-hmm. in Unforgiven later on. But like, you know, they had kind of, and also like any any which every which way but loose, and like all those movies. Like his little, those were sort of his little acting troupe there. Anyways, I was just gonna mention that. Just to, okay. a
1: okay, um, movie I, geek I- talk. I uh, I pulled out a critic quote as well for this one. Um, okay. And then I have like uh, uh, kind of my own main takeaway and to finish this. Um, okay. So I, I found one from Kevin Thomas, LA Times. Mm-hmm. He wrote that the movie is a stylized allegorical Western of much chillingly paranoid atmosphere. We talked about that mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> and considerable um, sardonic humor that confirms Eastwood's territorial flair. It's also a pretty violent business that won't disappoint the millions who flock to the Leone Westerns. <laughs> so I, th- yeah, I that's think awesome. that's, that's kind of spot on, even though he doesn't yeah, get too is. analytical about it. And uh, I think we got more analytical about it than he did <laughs> here. Yeah, it
0: I mean it's uh, it's just sort of like a. It's almost like you can see that Clint wanted to do his own Western. He kind of used like Sergio Leone and Don Siegel as like his inspiration to try to like kind of like forge his own. Because this was – I think this was like his second movie, right? After Play Misty Mm -hmm. for me. So that was like his – so he was sort of. This is like really, really started developing his own style. Really, I think with this movie, but he could have picked you know? something simpler too.
1: That's what yeah, I was saying earlier. I think, it's it was absolutely, yeah. absolutely um, yeah. more to it than meets the eye in the end. Yeah, I, I think
0: so, so. I think he was, you know, he, I think he was. I think Clint, especially, was really great at finding scripts. Like he just, he, he had a really good eye for scripts. For some, you know, for what you know, that's just was one of his real strengths. I think over the years.
1: Yeah, and it's not yeah. like um uh it's not like they took a western <clears throat> and had some guy write yeah. kind of like an intellectually inspired script for it or no. something uh, because no. they needed another hang him high or whatever. No, this yeah. is it, it may be a western, but it's so much more than a western.
0: Right. And I almost feel like you know, like after like watching all this all these movies and reading the books and stuff and and just being a fan, now I'm almost thinking could it could it have also been like a like a like a um like a little Twist on like Vietnam, like what was going on with Vietnam, because it's like almost like you know, look at like the townspeople and like that type of thing. They're like kind of like corrupt, and they're just you know they're 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 letting this stuff go on, and you know they're, they're kind of turning their turning the other way, and you know watching these people be watching. Well, the main character is you know the not the main character, but the the main you know the uh, the guy in the story played by Buddy Van Horn, who was the sheriff of this town. We never really explained what happened on that part. He mm-hmm. gets like he gets whipped by Stacy and his his boys. They basically whip him to death, and the townspeople just stand and watch and watch them do it. And they don't they don't try to help him. So I'm thinking like maybe that's like a little take on Vietnam or something. But who knows? I mean, that's it might not have anything to do with mm-hmm. it. But you know, they're always talking about those of that time period, like all, how a lot of the movies like kind of were like allegories on about Vietnam or something. But Usually the directors say, "Oh yeah, we weren't even thinking about that when we were making it." But I don't know. I was just thinking of maybe <laughs> that's another you little aspect. <laughs> yeah, I mean you know it's but, yeah, just but, well but you know think, that wasn't our intention or whatever they were trying to do.
1: Yeah, I mean that the movie is so, so metaphorical yeah. on on a lot of levels and I there's so like much it, symbolism yeah. in it. I mean, yeah. it's almost like it's not even symbolism anymore yeah I mean, it's they not renamed yeah. they renamed the town to hell yeah, and it's like two right. on the nose almost <laughs> yeah
0: i just i just feel like like watching it now like i, I just can't help thinking about like political parties like you know like I, or just like politics in general just like the way pe- you know like corrupt people and stuff like how they just like let things happen and don't do anything about it and you know it takes like some big some like outsider to come in and like really change things but that's just my personal or, or view also right
1: about, or, or also about what's the price you pay for certain things right or, right uh, what yeah. what kind of price are you willing to pay because they could right, have right. solved their problems in other ways yeah, right yeah rather than sell their soul to the devil <laughs> right. kind of yeah in a way but i mean, I mean it's so, just you know so, so this is there's one thought that i had um and this is after you know thinking about the movie but also thinking about a little bit about what quentin wrote about um um dirty harry's yeah. um uh, callahan yeah I, I thought that in 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 this movie um there's a difference uh, from what what happens here, or what happens here is different from the the kind of compromise that Callahan embodies yeah. when it comes yeah. to law and order, right. um, because um, here the stranger is kind of this Faustian deal that they did with the devil, yeah, uh, and the town folks they they enter in this in this deal willingly and they have something to hide too as you say. Yeah, right but right. then you know callahan is more like a judge dread kind of cop
0: mm-hmm. uh, but
1: here the stranger is just an evil man and i think that's right. that, that's that's kind of interesting the two different sorts of characters where he plays because you know callahan gets a sort of criticism from the critics and whatever and he yep. represents kind of a societal compromise yeah, uh, yeah and here the stranger too is something that is a product of that kind of town society, but it's it's right. uh it's kind of a crummy deal that uh in the end because they yeah are, it's they just they, they have a, they have a sheriff but it's a shitty sheriff.
0: <laughs> right. I mean this and this is like but I mean this is like the the you know the the good guy of the town was the sheriff the you know the original sheriff and he got like killed basically and then and then clint comes along and he's like he's just using like using their sins against them basically all the stuff that they've like done wrong he's like he's kind of like calling them out and like making them they're deal holding with up it. The mirror I mean? they don't they of... don't but they don't even know like you know that they're it's happening they're just kind of like they're just so used to being like you know chickens about everything that they just like go you know they're just trying to get out with it, get out of it however they can like usual but he kind of like takes them to task throughout the movie and like you know you know, all, in all different ways. You just have to watch the movie. I don't want to ruin it, ruin it all, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: but yeah, I mean that's 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 what makes the movie so enjoyable. Watching him, like you know, even the even the town preacher. He's like you know, the the part where one of my favorite parts is when he's like, oh, um, you know, you can you can't turn all these people out into the street. You're you know they're you know they're all our brothers and sisters. And he goes. These people are you, your brothers and sisters? And he goes, Well, yes. And he goes, Well, you won't mind if they move in with you, will you? And he's like, <laughs> And then he goes, No, I won't. And then he goes, and, then, and he goes, Everybody, you can move into our houses. And he goes, for the usual hotel rates, I just thought that was hilarious. So we, <laughs> you know, it's just there's always like a little twist. Like you, you kind of get Clint, kind of gets them. He's like, yeah, you, they're our brothers and sisters, all right, you know. Like until the, until they're going to move in with you, then they, then you know he doesn't want anything to do with them. Yeah, I just I just good, love those little really moments. Like, uh, yeah, I just love those little yeah, those little the, moments. That's, that's like the, the type is, of stuff he does.
1: The movie is smarter than it's yeah. given credit for, and especially yeah, I would say it's it's smarter than cr- critics back then gave it credit yeah. for.
0: And I feel like, you know, that's, that's, that was kind of Clint's, like, you know, outlook on things. Like, you know, he liked to make those little points in his movies. Like, you know, he kind of like, you know, hypocrite, hip- he liked to tackle hypocr- 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 hypocrisy and stuff. You know what I mean? That type mm-hmm. of thing. So,
1: yeah, that that's, that point. was an
0: excellent, excellent pick. I mean, that's one of my favorite movies. So, favorite Westerns too in general.
1: Yeah. So we had so, four movies. Um, you picked yeah. two, I picked two. Yeah. And that's, um, that's like, we could I, do I like f- they, a thousand. Yeah. I think the I think all four of them could have been in, in cinema speculation too. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think so. I mean, those are those are definitely all good picks. I think. I mean, you know, definitely good. Like, you know, I mean, I think like I was saying, I think if you're a movie geek, like you probably know about these movies already, anyways. But you know, those are just it's it's difficult to pick like two like movies or four movies out of like a thousand you know, more than a thousand movies of the seventies. I don't know how many movies were made in that decade, but, you know, we could have got, we could have gone anyway on this. We could have done grand house movies or, you know, late seventies movies or, you know, whatever it was, but we just happened to pick like a few of our favorites and, you know, just to give a little, glimpse into what we like that's all basically
1: yeah and one you, you haven't know, seen and two yeah. that i hadn't seen so this is a pretty yeah. good a pretty good yeah. um track record because you I know mean, everybody has a gap here and there and yeah, it's always right. nice to close one and discover right. something new
0: i'm sure someone hasn't seen like you know comes a horseman or you know eddie coil or scarecrow or Lane's drifter hopefully they you know after they there's, listen to there's this good or, you know. there's
1: good blu-rays out there of this one too yeah, yeah definitely mm-hmm. and we have december to look forward to are you
0: but are you are you a person that likes would rather discuss like 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 i have to give a shout out to the video archives podcast because like i've been listening to that podcast and i'm really enjoying it a lot because they but what they do on their show is they they'll pick like three movies that like maybe they're not like the biggest fans of or maybe they haven't even seen like all the movies yet but then but that gives like a good discussion too because it's like it's new to them you know yeah. Like or they have a thing, theme at or... least the first yeah.
1: two and then the attack on the third one or something right
0: but I mean it's not stuff like but they're not picking like you know Jaws, Star Wars and you know uh, whatever and the Godfather they're picking like these little tiny movies that like maybe people I, like a lot of the stuff I haven't even seen before but some of them, most of them I have but I mean then there's other ones like that I haven't seen but you there's know, some
1: obscure stuff in yeah the...
0: there's obscure stuff and then they'll, but you know so I mean, you you can do that's I think that's the thing with podcasts. You can either go that route or you can just pick your favorites. Because the thing is, we don't do a ton of episodes, so it's like, are we going to like spend an episode doing like movies we don't like? It's, it doesn't really make much sense to me. I feel like we should if we unless we were doing like constantly doing podcasts and that would be different. Then we could do a whole range of stuff. But I feel like pick the the movies that we like first, and then you know. What I mean? Just yeah, we're we to pick thing.
1: something that we find interesting yeah like we could also yeah. pick a, a genre like we could yeah do genre. like um war movies that we recently yeah, war discovered movies or, or something
0: like yeah. three two or three war movies or four mo- war movies or whatever it is you know but anyways that's just I'm just thinking of that stuff as far as podcasts go but so I guess we'll wrap up the show.
1: <laughs> will well, wrap it up. Um, okay. Obviously, we're always glad that uh, you're out there listening. We always look forward to comments, uh, emails, suggestions, criticism, and whatever. And, yep. and uh, uh, you can find
0: us on YouTube and also on Instagram now, too, where we post a lot of
1: pictures yeah, and, and videos. Too, Instagram, and, yeah. Facebook, Twitter. Furious
0: at Furious Cinema.
1: And the podcast will, of course, also go out on Spotify and the usual channels. Yep.
0: yep. So, so, okay. Yeah. Okay, thanks so this listening. is Pete Roberts, and thanks, Seb, for for stopping in and talking again. That was really fun.
1: Yeah, we had
0: some good good good, good to be back. there. Okay, back in man. saddle. <laughs> okay, we'll All see right. you next time on the Furious Cinema Podcast. Take care, everyone.
1: And that's that.